Hey everyone, welcome back. Here's the book we're going to be reading from this semester. It's by Jacques Lacan. It's a collection of writings called Écrit. We're not going to read the whole book. It's quite massive, but we are going to read some select essays from it. The first of which is titled On My Antecedents. And the paragraph I want to call your attention to to begin here is on page 53. Right in the middle of the page, the paragraph begins, In His Beyond. Let's read it once and then unpack it as we go. In his beyond, Freud makes room for the fact that the pleasure principle, to which he has in some given a new meaning by instating its signifying articulation of repetition in the circuit of reality, in the form of the primary process, takes on a still newer meaning by helping force open its traditional barrier related to jouissance a jouissance that is pinpointed at the time at that time in masochism and even opens onto the question of the death drive okay so here you get a good illustration of how lacan writes these are difficult sentences in fact that paragraph is a single sentence now what we need to do when we find a paragraph like this where you think something's interesting something interesting is happening there, is we want to slow down and take it one term at a time. It might even be helpful in this case to read it without everything that occurs between those two dashes, those M dashes in the middle of the sentence. In his beyond, Freud makes room for the fact that the pleasure principle, now skip down, takes on a still newer meaning by helping force open its traditional barrier related to jouissance. Okay. The pleasure principle is based on the idea that we humans are basically like tea kettles. We seek the path of least resistance, and when we build up lots of pressure, we tend to let off steam and return to these homeostatic states of calm, ease, repose. The pleasure principle suggests that we are pleasure-seeking animals and that we seek to relieve tension in our bodies, in ourselves, in our minds. The pleasure principle, in other words, is something very animalistic about humans. When we are uncomfortable as infants, we cry. And in crying, somebody shows up and alleviates our tension or pain or suffering, whatever the case may be, and returns us to a state of ease, of repose. The pleasure principle, in other words, is a comfort principle. It's about the way that we humans strive towards comfort and ease, states of zero tension, states of relaxation. This other word, though, he has here is jouissance. It's French. It's not translated here into English for a lot of reasons, one of which is that the French jouissance has some pretty wild implications, that its English equivalent, the best of which would be enjoyment, lacks. So what he's saying here is that in this book, Beyond the Pleasure Principle, Freud makes room for the fact that the pleasure principle, our pursuit of comfort, has often had a traditional barrier related to this notion of jouissance. And what is jouissance? Jouissance means enjoyment. The best word for this in English is enjoyment. And what we're getting at here is that Enjoyment is different from pleasure. If pleasure pursues comfort and ease and repose, enjoyment is something else. 
Enjoyment is not a state of relaxation. It is a state of intensity, of affective intensity, where your body and your mind is all ratcheted up. Sometimes you might feel in an argument your hands kind of shaking a little bit, or sometimes your teeth vibrating, or your stomach turns just before the job interview. Those are states of enjoyment. It doesn't mean you like feeling that way. It means that you feel amped up. That's what enjoyment means. Pleasure is the opposite of feeling amped up. Pleasure is a bowl of ice cream after dinner. Enjoyment is when you eat so much ice cream that your stomach hurts. Pleasure is eating. Enjoyment is overeating. And jouissance captures the sense of overeating. It captures a kind of intensity. And it's no coincidence that in the French, jouissance also means orgasm, sexual orgasm, the intensification of a human body at that level approximates what Lacan means here by enjoyment. The translator, Bruce Fink, has kept jouissance because, again, there's really not a good English word for all of these elements. But what I want you to notice first and foremost is pleasure is not the same as enjoyment. So already, if you will recall where we're beginning here, too often we mistake pleasure for enjoyment. They are two separate human experiences. And our first move here is to separate them. And that's what Lacan is saying Freud was doing in this book, Beyond the Pleasure Principle. Now let's add some more elements here. In Beyond the Pleasure Principle, Freud is talking about this notion of pleasure, of comfort, of ease, of relaxation. And he gives it new meaning, Lacan says, by instating its signifying articulation of repetition in the circuit of reality in the form of the primary process, in a way that takes on still newer meaning by helping focus, force open its traditional barrier related to a jouissance, a jouissance that is pinpointed at, the at that time in masochism. <laughs> So one of Freud's questions in this book, Beyond the Pleasure Principle, is if we're really pleasure-seeking animals and all we seek is comfort and relaxation and ease, why do we go out of our way to repeat horrible experiences? Why do we have recurring nightmares? If we're truly and only simply pleasure-seeking animals, why do we spend so much time doing painful things? reliving past experiences that are traumatic, for instance. Not just having one bad abusive relationship, but then once you break up, entering into another one where you're basically having the same interaction with a different person, none of which is good. Why do people have relationships based on fighting in order for them to make up afterwards? But the great experience the most alive experience if you've been in a relationship like this is in the middle of the fight. It's not the making up afterwards that brings you enjoyment. It's the strife and the agony of the struggle. So you can see this in all kinds of interpersonal relationships. For our purposes, the question is about repetition. Why would you seek out these things? Not once, but again and again. Why relive past traumas in your dreams? if you're truly only a pleasure-seeking animal. Freud didn't really have a question for this, or an answer for this question, excuse me. But he was working at it. 
Other folks would come along later in the same century in this tradition known as the object relations tradition, especially among the British folks. So you can look up some of these people like Fairbairn, Klein, and the like, and they're doing work on this question. Why do we repeat terrible circumstances? Things that make us uncomfortable. Why do we continually seek them out? That is not a question of pleasure. That is a question of jouissance, of enjoyment. And that's what Lacan is getting at here. When Freud raises the question of repetition, and the key word here in English for us is a fancy, though rather popular, psychoanalytic term. It's called repetition compulsion. Why do we compulsively repeat painful experiences? Why is that always the first thing you want to tell somebody about when you walk in the door after a long, difficult day at work? Why not focus on the great things, the great lunch you had? No, the first thing out of your mouth is, I can't believe he, she, it, they did it again. And it was a big struggle. <clears throat> in our case here, we're looking at repetition. Why repeat the terrible part of your day the first time you walk through the door and are back at home? Jouissance. Because we get off on it. There's an element of enjoyment at work here. We enjoy Remember, this doesn't bring us pleasure. We enjoy repeating at the level of speech what experienced, what happened to us at the level of reality. There's something masochistic about this. There's that word, masochism. Masochism and sadism pertain to the clinical structure known as perversion. And masochism and sadism are traditionally understood around a relationship to pain. The masochist is somebody who enjoys their own pain and suffering. And the sadist, traditionally, is somebody who enjoys administering pain and suffering to others. Now, I don't think that's quite the case. Oftentimes, I think the sadist, the person who enjoys hurting others, is in fact a masochist who can't handle the pain. This is somebody who can't handle their own pain and suffering, and so they project it onto other people. Trust me, you know some people like this. We all do. But the term here is masochism. And what I'd like to suggest is that the masochist is not simply somebody who enjoys jouissance, there's that word, who enjoys their own pain and suffering. What the masochist gets off on, if you will, is their relationship to the law. Not the pain and suffering, but all the rules and regulations of life. And I want to leave it at that. It's a kind of mysterious claim. The masochist doesn't get off on pain and suffering. They get off on rules being imposed upon them. So if you're in like a BDSM community, for instance, it's not going to be the infliction of pain that brings the masochist enjoyment. It's going to be the discussion of how the pain is going to be administered that brings the masochist enjoyment. They enjoy the law, the legislative, the linguistic part of the activity. That is truly important for what we're up to here in a class on rhetorical theory. It's the linguistic element the legal, legislative, let me tell you what's about to happen to you element that gets the masochist 
excited. And that's why the example of coming home after a difficult day of work and immediately telling your roommate, your partner, your family, whatever, about the horrible thing that happened to you. You are repeating at the level of discourse what occurred to you in lived experience that day. And it was a painful experience. So there's something going on here with the relationship between enjoyment, jouissance, language use, rhetoric, and masochism. In this case, a clinical structure that lavishes attention on the law and seeks to have others impose it upon them. All of which is somehow in tension with the animalistic pleasure-seeking part of our organisms. That's a pretty good foundation for today, our first paragraph in.